Good evening and welcome to Next Flag Ends the Race, a NASCAR podcast. My name is Jim Whip, coming to you live from the Crozet Kingdom. Man, I, um, you know, it's been a while. I certainly uh, had the intention of doing this as a, a weekly podcast, I obviously talk about racing and all things kind of business related to NASCAR, but as soon as, you know, our last episode uh, concerning Fontana and Alex Bowman's win, as soon as that dropped, obviously we went to Phoenix, but we were somewhat in the midst of uh, kind of the, the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And sure enough, we were able to get the race in at Phoenix. And then obviously that, that week kind of leading up to Atlanta is when NASCAR, along with the rest of the sports world, uh, pulled the plug and basically postponed, you know, and definitely postponed their seasons. And uh, to be honest with you all, I really, um, you know, I didn't really feel like recording things weekly during, um, you know, kind of this uh, time frame that we're in, you know, certainly I didn't think things would, uh, we'd have as many kind of big stories as we have had. Um, but to be honest, I just kind of the mindset wasn't really right to just, you know, continue doing this weekly. You know, you kind of get in a pattern and a grind just like the normal season um, that these guys go through. And, uh, you know, you you kind of have your talking points and whatnot. And uh, obviously we haven't had a whole lot of that with this going on. So um, but obviously over the last few days in the last week, we've gotten some exciting news within the industry here. And uh each kind of day, I'm like, well, maybe this would be a good time to bring it back and and whatnot. And then tonight's kind of the night that I decided, you know what, let's just let's just get back into it. So um, I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure if I'll record another episode before um, our next upcoming race at Darlington. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, you know, there's just been so much going on that I felt like tonight was kind of the right night to. To, to bring it back. Um, but I certainly hope everybody's doing okay during all of this um, going on and everybody's uh, continuing to work and, and be safe and what they can. But um, kind of to, you know, flip the switch uh, back to, to NASCAR and racing in general, man, we've got some really exciting news. Um, you know, obviously within the last few days, the the sanctioning body has announced that they're, they're going back racing and, and they're going to um, you know, uh, hit the play button on the season and, and, and keep this show going. So basically to recap things, um, if you haven't seen the sanctioning body announced that they're, uh, returning to racing starting May 17th at the Darlington Speedway in South Carolina. And really what they've done is they've announced, uh, it's kind of like NASCAR's own month of May. Obviously the month of May is very much an IndyCar thing. And you think about Indianapolis and, you know, it's a, it's a shame we're not going to run the Indy 500 this May, but um, really, you know, the month of May in 2020 belongs to NASCAR. Um, the sanctioning body has stated that they plan to run seven races over the course of 11 days, uh, four of those being at the Premier Series level with the Cup Series, uh, which is very exciting to me. Um, they haven't announced anything um, beyond May, um, uh, which isn't too surprising. I mean, this is obviously a very fluid situation. Um, you know, things are dynamic, things are going to change as needed. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm really excited from, from what they've, what they've announced. I think what they've announced and and what's going to happen is going to be, uh, pretty, it's, it's definitely well thought out. Um, I listened to, uh, kind of Steve O'Donnell's and, and NASCAR's and the sanctioning bodies, 
uh, press conference. And basically they've said, you know, since the season has been postponed, they've run through over 60 different scenarios and operating procedures for how to proceed through the season. Um, and man, there was some crazy stuff out there. Everything from, you know, the season, you know, going deep into December, um, you know, to doubleheader weekends and all this and that. And, um, but, you know, I think they've come up with a really solid plan. So just kind of to recap, you know, we are, we are racing, like I said earlier, um, seven events over the course of 11 days for those being cup races. We'll kind of focus on the cup racing in general. I mean, that's kind of the, the big, the big draw, obviously for NASCAR. Um, and certainly, I mean, I, I love the Gander Outdoors truck series and, and the Xfinity series, but, um, you know, I think everybody's just kind of, you know, I'm going to be watching all the racing I can, but certainly the focus is on the cup series. So the four races for the cup series in May are going to be interesting. You've got two races at Darlington and two races at Charlotte. Um, the first Darlington race is going to be 400 miles. And then the second Darlington race, I believe is that Tuesday night could be the Wednesday night, but I think it's the Tuesday night after, uh, the May 17th Sunday Darlington race. And that's going to be 310 miles. So 500 kilometers, um, fast forward to Charlotte, uh, the next weekend, uh, Charlotte's still going to be run on the traditional Sunday before Memorial day, the Coke 600. They're still planning to running that. Um, and then what you're also going to have is a midweek race for that, uh, kind of coupled with that event as well. Um, also on that Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe in this case, it's the Wednesday, um, which will also be, uh, uh, 500 kilometers on the oval. Um, and I think NASCAR's, like I said, they've done this really good. Um, it's, it's, it's really well thought out. So essentially, um, when they announced their return, obviously the people who don't watch racing gave it a ton of flack, um, which I mean, you know, like that's just how society is this day, you know, this day in this age, but it's actually really well thought out. Um, basically what they're going to do is, is, is they've announced, um, obviously no fans are in attendance. That's a given. Uh, my personal opinion, um, I don't think you'll see fans the rest of this calendar year at any sporting event. That's just me, but obviously no fans in the stands for these events. So what that's done is that's opened up the entirety of the infield at these tracks for the teams to kind of sprawl out. So what NASCAR has mandated is that your shop guys have gone back to work, um, you know, within North Carolina, uh, they have been deemed essential workers by the governor. So the shop guys have been able to return back to work. So these include your fabricators, your race engineers, um, you know, some of your in-shop mechanics, things like that. These guys who are in the shops, uh, in the team shops, they're going to be required to stay in those shops. So therefore, they're not going to be allowed to travel to the racetrack. Um, and then kind of your guys who are, um, you know, on the road crew. So essentially, uh, all your pit crew guys, um, you know, your front end mechanics, your shot guys, uh, crew chief drivers, they're obviously going to be at the tracks, but they're not going to be permitted to go back to the race shops during the week. So essentially they're going to keep these two groups of people separated. Um, again, kind of in compliance with all the COVID regulations and best practices, um, so that's kind of those those first few steps. Um, then when you kind of transition to the actual track, I already touched on that the infields are so big and the fans aren't going to be there. So teams are going to be mandated to spread out. Um, they're going to have one-way entrances into the track. They're going to have one-way exits out of the track. 
everything through the infield is going to kind of flow in a kind of a linear one-way uh, flow, if you will. Um, so that means people aren't going to be allowed to kind of crosswalk back and forth and kind of come in contact with one another. Everything's going to flow in one direction. Things are going to be spaced out. Um, all team members are going to be required to wear masks. Um, so that's going to be, you know, obviously, you know, all your crew guys, um, your pit crew guys are already required to wear helmets. They're going to be wearing the fireproof face masks, uh, or kind of the head socks rather, which they're already required to wear. So that covers them with the mask. Um, all of the team guys at the track are going to be any coming into the facility. They're going to be temperature checked. Um, and then if they were to leave and then come back in, they're also going to be uh, temperature checked again for re-entry. Um, they're also going to be obviously any other symptoms that could, you know, indicate COVID, um, you know, beyond fever, you know, they're going to be asked and, and questioned and, and checked out for, um, and any signs of that NASCAR is going to automatically say, Hey, you need to self isolate for 14 days. Um, and then all team members are going to be required to, um, have a log of people they interact with or come in contact to. So, you know, if they were ever to test positive for COVID, then anybody in that kind of chain would also have to self quarantine for 14 days before they could be tested and then cleared, um, if they get the negative test. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously there's going to be hand sanitizing stations. Like I said, they're already going to be wearing masks. They're going to be spread out. There's going to be a virtual anthem, a virtual invocation, a virtual command to start your engines. Um, you know, it's just, I think it's very, very well thought out. Um, you know, obviously they want to be as safe as possible. Um, but if this is done right, then I don't, you know, I don't see any reason why this won't work. Um, NASCAR's also indicated that all these events are going to be one-day shows. And what that means is, is they're not going to run practice and they're not going to have qualifying for the events. They're basically going to show up to the track, unload the cars, race them, um, maybe do some form of post-race inspection. I'm not sure. I haven't got a whole – I'm sure they'll do some sort of inspection, but I'm not sure how what that process will look like in terms of, you know, kind of the how it relates to uh, being proactive for, you know, kind of – COVID cross contamination, but, and then they're going to go home. Um, so, I mean, it's basically you show up to the track, you unload the car, you race, you go home all in one day. And I think that's brilliant. I don't see any reason why you can't do that. Um, and so kind of with all that said, I really, you know, and the, the, a lot of the, the sanctioning body has been, has been kind of 50, 50 people who watch NASCAR, um, really think that it's, you know, going to work. And there's, you know, no reason why it can't be done safely. I definitely fall amongst that category. In my mindset, if you have all those precautions in place, then, and it, you know, then, and, and it doesn't work, then it indicates that, A, you're just not going to go back racing until this thing is over in, you know, 18 to 24 months or however long it runs its course. And if that's the case, then I think we're all in a whole lot of bigger trouble than that. But, um, but I'm very excited for this return. I think the teams definitely need it. Um, you know, kind of the, the the big thing here, obviously, is that the teams are dependent on the TV contract money. Um, that's the, I mean, that's a that's a multi billion dollar contract um, that Fox and and NBC have both agreed to. Um, and it's not necessarily where you race; it's it's how many races you get in, and those races have to be televised for that contract money to be paid out. So. I mean, these teams, they've been sitting, you know, dormant for, you know, 
over 50 days now since our last cup race. And, um, there's been no flow of money going on. Um, and a lot of these bigger teams like Hendrick and Stuart Haas racing and Gibbs, um, you know, those are powerhouse teams that employ, you know, close to, you know, 400 employees. And, um, if you're not giving that TV money, then obviously things are getting a little tight. So I definitely think it's one of those things where, you know, I, I, the, the, the leaders of the sport, um, and the sanctioning body in general, um, they've been very proactive, um, with, with, with the, with the pandemic going on. And I think if they had it their way, they probably wouldn't go back, um, racing just yet, but they know they need to, for the team's sake. Um, like I said, the TV money, um, is really what drives this sport. Obviously you have the sponsorship dollars, but I mean, you're not going to get paid, you know, that sponsorship money if you're not running those races on TV. So it's kind of a, you know, a, a, a double whammy, really. I mean, it has to be televised races. Um, and, and NASCAR has indicated that their, their intent is to get all 36 scheduled races in this year. Um, and that's huge. Um, that's, that's, that means the teams are getting all the money that they've been guaranteed, you know, when the season started. So, and I think they can, um, like I said, we only we only know what's going on in the month of May right now. Um, I suspect. Um, well, I think they announced that um, that they would they would release what their plans were for June before the first event back um, at Darlington on Sunday, May seventeenth. Um, so we'll probably know that next week. Um, but again, it'll be interesting to see where they go and where they can go. Um, I really think that NASCAR will get these 36 races in, but it's going to be obviously dependent on what states have kind of the more lax restrictions and which states are showing kind of a steady number uh, with their, um, you know, with their COVID cases. Obviously, the the sport feels comfortable racing at Charlotte uh, in North Carolina and racing at Darlington in South Carolina to, to kind of kick the season back off, essentially. Um, but, you know... Uh, in Virginia, for instance, I mean, Governor Northam has indicated that, you know, the the states having their stay-at-home orders um, essentially was in effect until June 10th. We are having some soft openings uh, on kind of phase one on May 15th, but I don't see them racing at Richmond or Martinsville anytime soon. So I think the fans need to be open to the possibility of and kind of the certainty that you know, you, you might lose a race at Richmond or you might lose a race at Martinsville. Um, it's just going to depend, um, you know, which states allow it, which, you know, leaders at the state and local level, um, allow the sanctioning body to, to come and participate. You know, obviously Chicago's got a whole lot going on now. So Chicagoland might lose their only race of the season. Um, and in that case, you know, obviously, places like Darlington and Charlotte, you know, they could kind of be the fallback kind of safe zone for NASCAR where it's like, okay, you know, we're scheduled to go to Richmond, um, or we're scheduled to go to Chicago Atlanta, we're scheduled to go to Sonoma, but they either can't have us or refuse to have us. So we're just going to push everything back to within driving distance of the teams in Charlotte. And we're going to race, you know, here for the weekend. Um, and I think that's, you know, obviously I think the sanctioning body has those plans in place, but I think they're good plans too. Um, cause like I said, it's not where you race, it's how many televised races you get in, what determines, uh, your payout from the TV contracts and in turn, the sponsorship dollars that you earn from the sponsors, the race teams have. So, um, 
it's going to be interesting to follow. I think everybody needs to have an open mindset going forward that things, you know, are going to change. Um, obviously, they can change at the weekly level in terms of what track the teams go to. But more importantly, I think, you know, if this stuff flares up again and we get that second wave, then, you know, things could be put back on hiatus for a while. So I hope that isn't the case. But regardless, I'm excited that NASCAR is coming back. I think what they're doing, they're taking all the precautions they need to. And like I said earlier, if they can't come back under these conditions, then they're not going to be able to come back until this thing is over. Um, and, you know, we really don't know how long that'll be. But I'm very excited. Um, it seemed like, you know, when all this started, um, it was just kind of quiet, uh, which is why I really didn't feel like doing this um, and, and kind of talking about this stuff. But, uh, man, all of a sudden within the last two weeks, man, we had some huge storylines. Um, but I guess we can pick back up at Phoenix. It was so long ago. Um, I know my wife and I, we were sitting at a brewery watching uh, the end of the race uh, with a couple of brews and, and, a, and a pretzel. Um, and it was, it was definitely, I felt like it was a good race. It was very promising because you had the new, um, you had the new 750 short track package, um, this year at Phoenix. And that obviously features, um, the, the lower downforce or the shorter spoiler, um, and the shorter, um, uh, splitter with the higher horsepower, um, to create less dirty air, which created really, really good racing. Um, it was kind of similar to what we saw on the short tracks in 2018, and I was very encouraged by what I saw because obviously, as everybody knows, at least right now, the uh, the championship race this year is set in Phoenix. Um, and if we get racing like we saw um, for this past spring race at Phoenix for the championship race there this fall, I would be thrilled. Um, it was very competitive. Um, you had a lot of guys have issues on pit road. Can't remember specifics cause it was a long time ago. But the thing I remember most about that race is you had comers and goers. You would have guys who would have dominant cars who'd get in trouble, make a mistake on pit road, speed, get spun, what have you, but they were able to work their way back up through the field. Um, and it was really good. You had a bunch of different leaders. Um, Joey Logano ended up winning that. Um, so that's pretty big for him because he becomes the first two time winner this year. Um, but again, that was so long ago, it's kind of hard to look at, but the one thing I do remember, um, we kind of touched about it earlier this season is there's so many contracts that are up or, um, you know, up for renewal or whatever this year. And kind of the, the first one to really, you know, lock their new deal down, uh, was Ryan Blaney. He signed a, a brand new deal with Penske racing to keep him there. Um, which is really cool. Um, obviously his popularity is really high amongst the cup series, um, amongst its, its fans and to keep him in a, in a, in a Penske car is a big deal for that organization. So he's kind of, he was the first one off the board. Um, you know, recently we had Alex Bowman come out and say that he's still working, um, you know, obviously for contract negotiations with Hendrick, but they've kind of put it on hold due to all this. So now that the sport's getting fired back up, I would assume that those con those talks have kind of resumed. So, um, those are kind of the only big, you know, in terms of like free agency deal kind of things that we've heard, um, you know, over these, these past few weeks. But, um, something I do want to touch on is, is the whole iRacing, um, deal. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, with, with all sports being kind of put on hold and postponed, you know, 
the sanctioning body and and you know the TV partners and Fox were so um, they just I, I the only way I know how to put it is, is they took a chance and it really paid off. Um, so um, and and basically they what they did is they uh, televised i racing uh, events and um, they were able to get. Um, you know, some of the premier drivers to participate in this. And, and the first one was Homestead. So kind of just to, to back up on all that. Um, you've had guys like Dale Jr. and Denny Hamlin who have been sim racing for years. I mean, since the early 2000s, these guys have been sim racing. Well, iRacing is a high-level simula- simulation um, racing game where a lot of the guys now, um, a lot of the younger guys play um, because it's basically as close to the real thing as you can get. I mean, it's essentially racing, um, you know, just without actually experiencing the G forces and this being in this, the sensation of being in the car on the track. Um, I mean, it's, it's as close as you can get to actually go out and they scan the track surface, um, with LIDAR and that technology. So they get every bump, every detail, um, imported into the game. Um, you can, you know, do real life setups, you have weather, you know, that, that plays a part in the game. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a real deal. Um, and some of the guys that, that race in it, um, they have, you know, multi thousand dollar rigs. I mean, more than, you know, some of us, you know, more than what some of our cars are worth, um, that we drive every day. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. And, And the cool thing about it is, is that you can have, a guy like Denny Hamlin, who's a professional race car driver, a three-time Daytona 500 champion who has a $40,000 sim rig. Um, you can get a guy, um, you know, like me who can, you know, put together a laptop, download the software, get the subscription, get a wheel and pedals and get a setup and do everything for about, you know, four or 500 bucks and, and race with him and, you know, virtually, you know, just all be in the same equipment. So it's really cool because it allows the everyday fan um, to race with some of the the professional esports guys and some of the actually you know professional race car drivers that that do this for a living in real life, so it's a really cool platform and program that they've got going on. But while all this was going on, some of the drivers, Denny Hamlin and kind of the guys who organize it, decided that they were going to do these i racing you know kind of events on Sundays to kind of you know make up for um, not being able to to run these, these real races and, uh, and Fox and the TV partners actually picked it up and broadcast it. So it was a huge win for iRacing because it exposed a whole new crowd to what they've, you know, what they do on a, you know, daily basis. So that was really cool for them. And to be honest with you, the first couple of events were really cool. The racing was really good. You had a bunch of high level profile cup drivers. I mean, basically all the cup drivers, um, you know, besides some of them, uh, you know, you didn't have Martin Truex Jr. You didn't have, um, in the first few events, you didn't have Kevin Harvick. You didn't have Joey Logano, some of those guys. But, I mean, you had guys like, um, you know, Denny Hamlin, Dale Jr. Those guys have been racing every week. Um, and the Homestead race was really, really good. I mean, you had a photo finish. Um, it was competitive. People were just enthralled by it because it was basically the real thing. Just, you know. I mean, a lot of people had to do double takes to, to kind of feel like, oh, well, this this isn't actually the real thing. Um, so it was really cool because it was a novel idea. It hadn't been done before. Um, like I said, you kind of had the the meshing of two worlds. You kind of had people who were in the esports world, that younger gym, you know, that younger demographic of between ages 19 and 40 that NASCAR is so trying, 
you know, desperately trying to cater to gravitate towards that. And then you had the older folks who necessarily wouldn't mess with kind of the virtual world, you know, watch it too, because it is, you know, NASCAR related. So it was a huge success. And, um, all of the, the, the iRacing events that, um, you know, that the NASCAR pro invitational series has been doing, they've been the top rated esports events of all time. Um, and it's just been killing the ratings, um, each of these past six or seven weeks that they've done it, it's been phenomenal. Um, so it's been really cool to see because no other sport can replicate this in a virtual setting like NASCAR can't. So NASCAR in my mind has just been dominating the virtual world. Um, the NBA tried to do a, a, a horse competition and like a 2k competition. And I mean, it was, it just wasn't good in my opinion. It was cool for like 10 seconds and you cut it off. But the cool thing about iRacing is that these guys are still competitive as ever. And it gives you an insight into their homes. A lot of them have you know their own Twitch t- channels. So you can listen to the team talk, the radio talk. Um, you, know, you can kind of see inside of what goes on in their mind. And they're just as competitive as ever. So um, now some of them aren't very good. Um, but those that are good, um, and there's a bunch of them, it's been really fun to watch. And and see the competition. Um, and then, uh, man, you've had a guy like William Byron just dominate the last few weeks. Um, and it's cool because he was, he was found on iRacing. Like he is in the cup series because of iRacing. And now this platform is so forefront, um, is on the forefront that people actually get to see like how he was found. So for those who don't know, like William Byron didn't step into an actual race car until he was like 16 years old. And for like, he's only 21 now. So, I mean, he's only been driving a real race car for five years, but he was a huge sim racer and was really good at it and was dominant on iRacing and got found through iRacing. He was so good on iRacing that they put him in a real race car and he's progressed up the ladder and his skills from iRacing have translated into his race car, into a a, a NASCAR stock car. And he's progressed up the ladder he won seven races in his first truck season. He was spent one years in the trucks, moved up to Xfinity. He won the Xfinity Series Championship in his first year and then moved up to Cup. So it's amazing how those skills can translate to real life. And that just shows how closely this software and this program mimic real life conditions besides the stress that's on your body, the G-forces um, and things like that. So it's it's been really cool just to showcase what iRacing can do. And it's been dominant in the forefront. Um, now that being said, I will say as the weeks have gone on, it's gotten more kind of corporate and more just bogged down and just like, why are we doing this? We don't need to have an invocation. We don't need to have an anthem. Just let these guys go race. The sponsorships have been just so you kind of thrown in your face and, and all this and that. Um, Um, and then they've been giving guys like, you know, like three resets. So basically a reset is if you crash out in the race, the virtual race, you basically get a reset and your car's fixed and you keep going. So the guys who are really bad at iRacing have never done it that are, you know, actual NASCAR drivers, they just wreck and the flow of the race would be terrible and all this and that. But uh, eventually they gotten that straightened out. So the last couple of weeks have been okay, but uh, I think the the first two races have been really were really really good, um, and it's been cool because it's it's really uh, kind of highlighted a lot of these guys who are in the Cup Series but are in like backmarker equipment, so they're not really uh, you don't know anything about them. I mean, a perfect example is Timmy Hill. 
I didn't know anything about Timmy Hill until you know, we started running these, you know, iRacing uh, Pro Series Invitationals. And turns out he's a really good sim racer and he's been right up front. I think he's actually leading the virtual points that somebody's been keeping up with. I mean, they're not actually doing a championship for it, but somebody's like, if they were running points, here's how it would look. Um, and he's leading the points. And it turns out he's a really good interview. Um, and I've enjoyed learning about him. I'm definitely going to, you know, kind of keep up with him and hope and wish him well on Sundays when we do get back to racing. So die racing has been cool because obviously you have guys like William Byron who are dominant and have a presence in both I racing and in the cup series on a regular basis. Um, but you also have guys, um, like Denny Hamlin and Dell Jr. who are kind of legacy and are good at sim racing. And then even more, you have guys like Timmy Hill, Landon Castle, uh, Garrett Smithley, Parker Kligerman, guys like those who are in backmarker equipment who you would never get would never get talked about on a Sunday because they'd be running, you know, between 30th and 36th. They're really good iRacers and, you know, the iRacing equipment makes everybody equal. So you get to see that talent, at least in a virtual world, kind of even out and get to see where guys are. So it's been cool because it's been a lot, it's allowed a lot of these backmarkers to get um, the television time that they deserve and, and, and allowed, you know, the viewer, uh, to get to know them. And, and I think, a, I think a lot of them have made, um, some new fans. Um, you know, certainly I've been a landing castle and a Parker Kligerman fan for a while, but I had no idea. I didn't know anything about Timmy Hill, but now that I do, um, I'm definitely going to wish him well moving forward. So that'll be really cool. Um, but obviously, uh, for all the pros that iRacing has had, you definitely have had some big fallouts, most notably is Kyle Larson's. Um, and I'm not going to touch this subject too much just because it's, it's not really my cup of tea, but in a iRacing event um, that wasn't televised, it was, you know, on Twitch and kind of something that, you know, the drivers kind of got together and, and got their own thing on a, I think it was a Sunday night. I'm not sure. It was definitely one night, uh, late at night. Um, Kyle, Kyle, the Kyle Larson was in this event and uh, dropped the N-word on the live uh, all-teams chat. Um, he didn't know that he was speaking in the all-teams chat, but nevertheless, he said it. And uh, next thing you know, that thing was viral and uh, everybody in the sports world and in uh, the news world in general was talking about it. So, um, I mean, it's... First and foremost, um, I think NASCAR and his team owner had the absolute right reaction. Um, the bottom line is that words matter um, these days. That stuff sticks with you, and it's something that you got to live with. Um, you know, within it was the next morning, so it was it was within like twelve hours. Um, his team suspended him indefinitely without pay. And then the next thing you know is NASCAR uh, suspended him indefinitely. Um, and then after that, the fallout kind of just got even more severe from there. Um, you had uh, his primary sponsors in uh, McDonald's and uh, Clover and Capital One, or not, Cap not Capital One, Credit One Bank. They were all just, you know, kind of terminating relationship, terminating relationship, terminating relationship, terminating, terminating relationship. And then once you don't have that sponsorship money, like you're, you're done. So the, the race team fired him, um, all within a day of that happening. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, I think it's the right move. I listened to an interview that Marty, not Marty Smith, that, uh, Ryan McGee did talking about it. 
And I think he put it perfectly, and I echo everything that he said. He said that, quite frankly, he doesn't care how Kyle Larson feels about this, even if he's sorry, you know, and it was a mistake or what have you, and that's not how he really feels or what have you. And I agree. I don't really care because as a NASCAR fan, the most exhausting thing other than trying to explain the point system to fans, that's a whole nother debacle we'll get into. But the most exhausting thing is for me to try and defend the sport's integrity. I have done it so much and anytime stuff like this happens, NASCAR's automatically in the news. You never see ESPN, you never see these big news sites, um, you know, any of them, talk about NASCAR unless it's something negative. And in this case, this was negative. This was negative in a big way, in an acceptable way, and it got picked up by everybody. And of course, people who don't watch NASCAR, who still thinks it's a bunch of good old boys flying that rebel flag in the parking lot, automatically comes in and says, oh my God, they're a bunch of rednecks. They're a bunch of racists. What do you expect? Um, And for somebody like me, who's not like that at all, it's just so exhausting trying to defend the sport. And Kyle Larson put the sport in that position where it had to defend itself, where it has tried to separate itself from its somewhat controversial past in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. And it has done a good job of doing that to where, okay, NASCAR makes all these steps. Kyle Larson makes one statement, one slur, and then it's immediately sent back to that time. And I hate that. Because you have some really progressive people leading the sport these days. You have NASCAR. NASCAR is on the forefront of a lot of, um, you know, whether it's safety, personnel, um, and just um, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, no nonsense in general. So, for instance, in Na- it's not like this in many other sports, but in NASCAR, you are always guilty before proven innocent. Uh, perfect example NASCAR has a zero drug to- a zero drug to- tolerance policy. If you test positive for even like Adderall, Ambien, um, sleep medication, anything like that, you're automatically indefinitely suspended by the sanctioning body. NASCAR also has a zero uh, policy uh, for domestic abuse. Perfect example. When Kurt Busch was accused of um, abusing his ex-girlfriend Patricia Patricia Driscoll four days before the Daytona 500 many years ago, he was automatically indefinitely suspended by NASCAR. Didn't matter any evidence, anything on the table. If a if a if a claim, whether it be you know racial, drug related, um, sexist, any sort of abuse comes forward, doesn't matter any evidence that you know is out there. NASCAR automatically indefinitely suspends you, or rather, I should say, lack of evidence. Um, and in the Kurt Busch instance, what's fascinating is that he was suspended indefinitely for like two, three or four weeks even. And then it came out that his girlfriend, Patricia, Gr- Patricia Driscoll had made the entire thing up and she was actually sentenced to federal court for other money laundering charges uh, with the federal government through her like shell companies and kind of the, the, the charitable organization she had. She was ciphering off money from that. So Kurt Busch didn't do anything wrong. Turns out he was innocent the whole time. But it doesn't matter because in NASCAR's eyes, if a charge is serious enough for you to be um, accused of something, again, whether it be racial, sexual, 
um, any sort of discrimination, uh, sexist, what have you, drug-related, you're you're done. I mean, NASCAR, they just, they do not put up with any of that. Um, and it's so unfortunate because nobody outside of people like me who follow the sport on a daily, if not hourly, if not minute basis, they don't understand that. ESPN doesn't understand it. I mean, you know, Fox Sports, you know, they don't understand it. Um, I mean, it's it's just, it's so unfortunate. And I get so tired of defending NASCAR's integrity, defending uh, the sanctioning body, because they, the leaders that they have now, Steve Phelps, um, you know, Ben Kennedy, they're just, they're so progressive. Um, and to be honest with you, if, if Larson's sincere about it, and he is, you know, apologetic and whatnot, even if he doesn't have you know, those motives behind him. I don't care because he set this, you know, in my eyes, he set the sport back to like, just, you know, the, the, the casual viewer being like, Oh, we're not watching that because it's racist. It's redneck. It's everything that we think it is. It fits that stereotype. And I hate that. Um, so to be perfectly honest with you, I don't care if Larson comes back to NASCAR. Um, I don't, I, I mean, not that I, I, I don't care. I, I don't care in a bad way. Like if he's done, so be it. I could care less. Um, because I'm just tired of defending the sport all the time. Um, you know, I have several group chats with my friends and I mean, they know I'm a huge NASCAR fan. They heckle me about it, but it's all in good fun because they've known it and they know who I am and stuff. But it's events like this when they're like, Oh, Jim, do you see the news about Kyle Larson? That's all they talk about. And I'm just like, see, like, I want you guys to text me like, Oh man, do you see the awesome finish at Phoenix? Like that's like, we want to be race fans now. And it's just so I'm just, I'm just done. Like, I don't care if Kyle Larson comes back to NASCAR. Um, but it is interesting because he definitely was the hottest free agent. And now, you know, he literally could have picked any team he wanted to go to. And that team would have definitely at least considered, all right, can we make this work so we can get him onto the team? But now he's out. So, um, that's just, it's just crazy. You come in, and all it takes is, you know, kind of one mistake like that, and then you're out forever. Um, like I said, words matter, and um, especially in a sport that is driven by sponsorship dollars and by TV. It's all about perception. So um, I definitely applaud the sport for handling it the way they did. Anybody who says they could have done it better is off their rocker because literally within 12 hours – Kyle Larson was suspended by his team, suspended by NASCAR, and then by the end of that day, he was fired. So anybody who says NASCAR could have done better is delusional, and they just want to see NASCAR burn. So um, I applaud the sport for the way they handled it, and like I said, I'm tired of defending their integrity to people who don't watch racing on a regular basis, and I don't care if Kyle Larson comes back. Um, Quite frankly, I hope he doesn't, but... um, that being said, we do have uh, obviously some surprise for who was going to take over that ride in the 42 car. And lo and behold, it was Matt Kenseth. I had no idea that that was going to happen. I think everybody kind of banked on it being Ross Chastain. But then at the blue, here comes Matt Kenseth from good old Wisconsin. Uh, I think he's like 47 or 48. So um, I'm pretty excited. It should be a competitive ride. So definitely excited that he's coming back. I just, I hope, well, I'm excited that he's coming back, but I really, really, really hope he's competitive. If he's not competitive, then I hope that, you know, I, I, I would have wished that he would have stayed retired. So, um, excited that he's coming back. It'll be fun to see what he can do at Darlington. Um, 
And man, I'm just, I'm really excited. Um, we've, we've only got like 13 or I think it's 13 more days until we're back on track, um, at Darlington and it's, it can't come soon enough. It felt like that March lasted 10 years, but it seemed like April went by in 10 minutes. And, uh, now, you know, we're, we're rolling through this first week in May and, and getting closer to racing. So it's going to be an interesting season. I, you know, nothing too technical, nothing too kind of businessy, um, in this edition of the, of the, of the podcast, but I just kind of wanted to touch on just a really kind of broad overview of everything that's going on. Um, you know, since, the season's been postponed. Um, you know, hopefully once um once we get uh the season rolling here, kind of things will be kind of back as normal, back to normal. We'll have our kind of normal, you know, little scenarios and little stories kind of popping up about stuff. But um but man, I'm excited. Um it's gonna be interesting to see what uh the toll of these races takes on the competitors. I mean, they've been out of the cars for a while now and um, you're going to have, you know, over 700 miles at Darlington within, you know, three days, um, essentially. I mean, that's, that's a big toll on the drivers for coming back after being out of the car for so long. I know a lot of guys have been trying to get to the go-kart track so they can get their necks, um, loosened up and stretched out so they can then get their, you know, body back in shape for being in these cars. Um, so it'll be good. Um, I'm excited. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting moving forward. I think everybody needs to have an open mind that things can change uh, in a hurry. Um, and I'm excited to follow it and, and see what happens. I think, you know, it's it's definitely unprecedented times, but unprecedented times certainly, you know, can lead to unprecedented moments on the track. So it's going to be fun to keep up with. Um, I just hope that these guys are um, – I hope the first race back lives up to the expectations that people are putting on it. Um I hope it's good. And I hope, uh, I hope a lot of people tune in. I think NASCAR is in a position where, you know, a, they're basically the first major sports organization besides UFC, um, to come back. And with the size of the operation they run, they can really be a model for, um, the, you know, major league baseball, uh, for football, um, and for the NBA, uh, whenever they choose to come back, it sounds like, um, you know, NHL two and PGA, well, PGA is kind of a different animal because, you know, I feel like it'd be pretty easy to social distance during that. But, you know, a lot of these other big sporting events are trying to get, you know, back up and going in June and July. And, you know, I feel like NASCAR is definitely going to be the example where if they come out and execute this well, then, um, a lot of sports are going to be kind of leaning on them and say, Hey, how'd you guys handle this certain scenario, which would be really good for, um, you know, obviously the sports morale. Um, and I hope a lot of people tune in and watch and I hope these races are good because I mean, it's really going to be the only live competition going on, you know, that's related to sports. So like I said, I hope the casual fan, you know, tune in and, and they see something that, that intrigues them to at least stick around for a while. I mean, they don't have to be a hard NASCAR fan, but if they're like, Hey, this is pretty cool. Maybe I'll tune in for the next one. Or, you know, even if it's just, you know, a few races after that, I mean, that'd, that'd be a huge win. Um, and I think NASCAR's in a really good position to do that. So, um, it'll be fun to watch, but certainly I hope everybody's staying safe and, um, is working safely and, and things are well. Um, like I said, you know, I think sports and music are really the only two things these days that, can bring people from all walks of life and all beliefs, um, together to find some commonality. Um, 
and it's, you know, with sports not being there, it's been really tough for a lot of people. And, um, it's exciting that NASCAR is coming back and I hope that, um, it'll provide some sort of, you know, kind of normalcy to people's lives. And I certainly know it will for me. So I'm excited to get things going. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we'll see where it goes, but I hope everybody stays safe and uh, happy Cinco de Mayo. And, uh, We'll see you guys down the road. Thanks for tuning in.